Good afternoon. It is Sunday, January the 29th, 2023, and uh, we have been having some bad weather here in Cheyenne, and uh, we had about six, seven inches of snow last night with blowing wind, and so we canceled our service this morning. And uh, I wanted to uh, make sure that we had the opportunity to be able to present a lesson. And so I was going to be sharing this lesson this evening uh, in our evening discipleship class that we have at 6 p.m. And so I have uh, opted to go ahead and share this lesson with you. Uh, we are going to be looking, and this will also be on our sermon audio site, uh, that's www.sermonaudio.com uh, slash Yellowstone Baptist. And you will find this along with all of our other messages. Uh, just for those who uh, are interested, uh, please know as well that we are going to continue uh, with uh, our 2023 encouragement message that we were going to bring uh, this morning that will actually be uh, now be held next week, next Sunday morning, Lord willing. And then uh, after that, we will continue and pick up our series once again in the book of Revelation. And we are in Revelation uh, chapter 7. Uh, in this next message, we are slowly working our way through the book. And uh, so I hope and pray that uh, that uh, will be an encouragement to those who are willing to listen and uh, we are also working on uh, a new setup here for our media format that will enable us to be able to broadcast our messages uh, and actually live stream them uh, once again uh, on a weekly basis in the morning as well as in the evening. So I would like to have a word of prayer and then we will uh, continue in the lesson. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with the series that we have been going through, uh, this is the series here, uh, Biblical Discipleship, and uh, this particular one, Liberty in Christ. This comes from uh, the book of Galatians, and so we are going to be considering that today. And uh, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, I am grateful for your word. I am thankful that we can consider um, your word and listen to the Holy Spirit reveal uh, more of God to us through the word of God. And I ask, Lord, that uh, you would help us not just to recognize and realize that we have been forgiven of our sins, but that when we are brought to repentance that we are forgiven of all of our sins, but there is a point at which Christian liberty uh, cannot pass, and uh, we want to be able to understand that in the lesson today. So may you be glorified in our lives and in this lesson today, and uh, we thank you again for all of the blessings for the countries that we normally have been praying for here at Yellowstone Baptist on a weekly basis. Uh, today was uh, to be North and South Korea, and uh, I know that I have had particular burden for uh, the people of North Korea and uh, for quite some time now, and I ask, Lord, that uh, your will would be done. May those who are doing the persecuting, the government and military uh, members uh, who are taking it out on Christians there, particularly in North Korea, the number one persecuted country in the world today, that um, like you did with uh, when you set your love upon the Apostle Paul and uh, you brought him to yourself on the Damascus Road, um, I pray also, Lord, that uh, there are others who would have a Damascus Road experience where, whereby, uh, God, uh, you reveal yourself to them and that they recognize that you have set your love upon them from eternity past. Thank you again for the way that you work in our lives, and uh, may this lesson be an encouragement. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to encourage you as well as we consider uh, this lesson today uh, that if you have any questions or any concerns about anything that we are sharing, 
uh, that uh, you would uh, uh, take the time. You can reach out to me via text or email. Uh, our website, which has been uh, just updated this last week, uh, yellowstonebaptistchurch.org uh, or ybc-wy.org. Either one will take you to our website and uh, it will give you a good indication of what we believe and uh, where we stand. So let's go ahead and dive right into the question. As you have seen in the, uh, maybe in the description for this particular video, uh, the question is, uh, all of my sins are forgiven. And so therefore, am I free to do as I please? The answer is both yes and no. And I want to be able to explain both of these to you, but let's continue. I want to read Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 and 25. Galatians chapter 3, and I am reading from the English Standard Version, or the ESV. Galatians 3, 24 and 25. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer are in under a guardian for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. So what exactly does this mean? Now I believe that the New Testament is very clear um, in regards to how we are saved uh, as far as by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone plus nothing minus nothing there's nothing that you and I can do to be able to inherit eternal life we can't work up enough faith on our own. Uh, even the, the grace and the faith that is given to us is a gift from God. As Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 uh, reveals to us uh, that it is all of God. And of course when he set his love upon us from eternity past, the Lord Jesus Christ came uh, to this earth so that he might die. Um, and uh, he was born to die. We just have come through the Christmas period. Uh, but he was born to die so that all who would place their faith in him would have their sins forgiven. Now, there are some who think that, that all are God's children, but that is not the case. Not all are God's children, only those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation are actually a child of God. Everyone else, John chapter 3, verse 36, makes this very clear that uh, everybody who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that the wrath of God still abides upon that individual. Now, I believe that the New Testament is very clear that we are no longer bound uh, by the law. We certainly, any more than Israel could, we uh, could not, nor could they obey the law in order to be able to please God. Now, there was a standard of holiness that was given um, as we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, um, as obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to the former lusts and our ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or in every aspect of our life, in our lifestyle, in our behavior, uh, in our words, in our deportment, in everything that we do. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And this was the standard. Israel, of course, could not obey that standard. They could not follow uh, that particular standard that God had uh, established. And so, of course, there was a penalty. But that penalty came long before the children of Israel uh, were given the law of Moses or the Mosaic laws that is known, the Ten Commandments. There were actually a total of 613 commandments that were given to the children of Israel. Now, today though, I believe that we, while we are under grace, we have a greater law. Hebrews is very clear about this. Yeah, it's, a, it's a beautiful book that speaks about the superlative being Jesus Christ who has come. He was better than the Aaronic uh, priesthood, better than the Melchizedek. Melchizedek priesthood 
And everything about the Lord Jesus Christ is what the scriptures point to. You cannot go through any book of the Bible without finding a, a reference or pointing either forward to the coming Messiah or the work that he would accomplish. Uh, or uh, on the converse side, you would find that in the New Testament, every single book either details the life of the Lord Jesus Christ um, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the formation of the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ in Acts, um, and then you have the epistles, which take us all the way through uh, to when John was writing, and he would have written uh, probably between A.D. 90 and A.D. 95, so this would have been the first century of the New Testament church. And then, of course, Revelation fought, uh, is, is the final book, that we recognize in the scriptures and this particular book revelation is the revelation of again jesus christ it's not the revelation of saint john the divine as some people call it it's a revelation of jesus christ and he jesus christ is given or is is shown in this book as a future entity whereby the lord jesus christ will return once again to this earth bodily visibly just as he was here before this is called his second advent um, and when he returns of course he will establish his kingdom he will destroy the wicked uh, satan will be bound and we believe that for that period uh, there will be a period of time in in which uh, the world will be ruled by the lord jesus christ in a way as we are told in the old testament that he will rule with the rod of iron but then one day time will eventually be called and when time is called uh, the eternal kingdom will start eternity and all of those down through the ages who have ever placed their faith in either the coming messiah or the messiah who has come we know him as jesus christ that uh, they would then uh, be with him and to be with the lord forever and as paul said in first thessalonians when we as believers are caught up to be with the lord whether we have preceded our loved ones in death or those who are in the church. We have preceded them in death. And so if we're lying in the ground or our bodies are and the Lord Jesus Christ returns, he will not only catch up those who are living, but he will catch up those who have passed away as well. And uh, together we shall be with the Lord. And as he says at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. And these certainly are comforting words to know that not only did the Lord Jesus Christ set his love upon us from all of eternity past, but he also has established his love and has, the, the scriptures uh, tell prophetically that he will return for his bride, a bride who has made herself ready. So let's go back to the lesson as we look at, uh, as we look at, uh, Galatians uh, today again uh, there are some who believe that that because we are now saved that we are not bound by any law this is generally termed and we could break this down much more succinctly um, but I think that it's important that we break this down uh, simply to state that it's termed as antinomianism comes from the word anti or against uh, nomian is from the Greek word nomos, which means the law. So they are against the law or against the law in any form. Um, I am not against the law. Um, I do believe that God gave the Mosaic law and it was given specifically for the children of Israel. But long before the Mosaic law came into place, God had written uh, eternity on the hearts of men and women and right from the very beginning, as uh, that's a passage that is found in Ecclesiastes, I believe chapter 9 uh, or chapter 3, that he has written eternity on their hearts. And uh, so I believe that in the beginning when God created Adam and Eve, he created one man, one woman to be joined together in holy matrimony and that they were to, uh, they were to multiply, be fruitful and multiply to be able to tend to uh, the garden that God gave them. And of course, they broke that fellowship with God. And when that fellowship was broken, there was still a law that was in place. God said, you shall not. What, should, what you were not supposed to do, Adam and Eve, they were not to eat of 
the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that they ate of it, they would surely die. So we come then to the Mosaic law. And of course, Israel did not obey the law. Uh, we find that they didn't obey because they couldn't obey the law any more than Adam and Eve could because they were tempted by, not just by Satan, but they were tempted by their own flesh. They were tempted not not because of God, because James chapter 1 tells us that God cannot be tempted, neither tempts he any man. Sin comes exclusively from the evil one. So we read in this particular lesson that because we are under grace, some people take this though as a freedom or as an opportunity to be able to live any way they want to. Uh, to be able to do whatever they want. We even find this within the church. Uh, there are people who, because they do not understand the concept of the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ, they don't understand the responsibilities of a believer. They either violate God's standards by not going to church or when they get upset or angry or things don't go their way. Um, they simply hop from church to church to church uh, instead of addressing the issue that is within their own heart, the rebellion that we all have against God at some point in our lives. Now, we can all struggle. We all do struggle. We all sin. There's there is nothing, uh, there is nothing in the scripture that tells us that we can be what's called as sinless perfection uh, in this life. You will never be perfect here in this life until the moment that God either takes his church to be with himself, a snatching away as it were, um, or until the Lord Jesus Christ actually makes it possible uh, and 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 uh, you close your eyes in death in this life only to waken on the other side to realize that eternity is a wonderful uh, place uh, to, to be where we will be forever with the Lord. Um, but the problem is that until we get to that point and we are glorified, we live in a state of what is called sinless or of what we call progressive sanctification. Now, progressive simply means, of course, to progress from step to step um, and progressive sanctification. The sanctification part of that means to be set apart, to be holy. So if we are taking step by step, that simply means that there are areas in your life and in mine that we are going to have to uh, deal with uh, sometimes on a daily basis. It may be on an, on an hour by hour basis, sometimes even minute by minute. We might struggle with something that is going on in our lives. And when we find ourselves in that situation, we have to be able to depend on the Holy Spirit. Now, before we go any further, I want to give a word of encouragement to each one who may be listening or who may listen in the future, and that is this. When we get to heaven, ultimately, it will not be because of your faithfulness or mine. You see, there's nothing that we can do to add to our faithfulness because in the flesh that we remain in here, Romans chapter 7, for example, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that, that here he is as a mature Christian, but he is still struggling. He is struggling with things that he has done in the past, maybe, or, or things that he struggles with now. Um, and yet he knows that the good things that he's supposed to be doing, he doesn't always do. And the bad things that he's not supposed to be doing, sometimes those are the things that he finds himself doing. And I think that we all find ourselves in this situation at times in in... Uh, uh, seeking to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord and then the world catches, excuse me, the world catches our attention or uh, 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 lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, any one of those things can catch our attention. And we realize we have to go to Philippians to find that at the end, uh, at the end, faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. He who began a good work, Paul writes to the church at Philippi, he who began a good work in you will perform it or will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So if you are struggling today and in, in 
some particular area, a sin that you're dealing with. It could be a besetting sin. If if you have a desire to live a holy life, to live a life of, of godliness that is pleasing to him, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you of that sin. He's going to bring you to repentance. He's going to give you the desire to live in such a way that we put these things behind us. Now, First John is very clear that if we love our sin more than we love God, if we love our sin or we love our lifestyle more than we love God's word or his commands, or if we love these things more than we love his church, more than we love other true believers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God does not dwell in us. And that means that if God is not dwelling in us, we are not a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that is the case for you, if you if you are in a position where you are enjoying your sin, if you're in a position where you love your sin more than you love God, if if you enjoy these things with no with no remorse, with no desire for repentance, uh, with with uh, only uh, with with no conviction by the Holy Spirit that the things that you are doing are separating you from the holiness and the fellowship of God, then I implore you to 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 get on your face to seek the mercy and the love of God so that you can understand that the wrath of God was atoned for um, uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ for all who would ever come by faith and believe in him. And if if that is the case with you, though, that you are living a life whereby you think you can live your life any way you want to, you can sin so that, as Paul says in Romans chapter 6, that you can sin more so that more grace may abound to you, I submit to you that you truly do not understand the scriptures because the scriptures are very clear that we do not sin more so that we get more grace. We have received all the grace that we are ever going to receive as far as salvation is concerned at the moment of salvation. And at the moment of salvation, you will find that the Holy Spirit comes and is is given as a down payment against your inheritance, which is to come, which we find Ephesians chapter 1 speaks about this inheritance, whereby all the spiritual blessings that pertain to Jesus Christ are yours and mine if we're true believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But when it comes to Christianity, though, we live in a day and age, especially in the 21st century. And in the 21st century, we are... Uh, we we find ourselves um, uh, we find ourselves uh, in a world that 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 likes to think more highly of themselves than they ought to think. And uh, when when we get to that point where the law of God is no longer important, where we want to please ourselves, where there's no standard that is in place, um, we seriously have to question whether we truly know the Lord Jesus Christ or whether we have the kind of fellowship that that we like to think that we have. Um, So we can't do as we want. There is still a law um, that is written on our hearts. And I believe for the Christian, um, actually, I I think we need to take uh, one step back here. There are a lot of people who speak about free will. Uh, the free will of man. Man is free to pick and choose. He's free to, to pick and choose what he wants to do with God or how he wants to interact with God. Um, apart from him being a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This teaching, um, it's actually heresy. It's a false teaching. Um, and it has been held particularly and was uh, uh, what was was built up within the church, particularly during the days of like uh, Charles G. Finney, um, who was a rank heretic. Uh, Charles G. Finney, uh, D.L. Moody also taught the free will of man, whereby man could choose God whenever he wanted to without uh, without the Holy Spirit being involved. Um, he could just make that decision on his own. Now, 
The problem is that that doesn't line up with Scripture when we look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 verses 10 through 12 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Nobody seeks, and I'm paraphrasing here, but nobody seeks after God. Nobody looks to go after God or the laws of God. And because we don't have the ability to be able to go after the things of God in the natural man, the only way that we can come even to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is when the Holy Spirit draws man unto himself. The Lord Jesus Christ himself said, No man comes unto the Father but by me, through Jesus Christ. And nobody can come to the Lord Jesus Christ except the Holy Spirit draw that individual to Jesus Christ. So if the Holy Spirit has not set his love, the love of the Father upon you and drawn you to himself, the question we have to ask then is, well, then who can be saved or how do we know that a person is saved? Well, again, we go back to pleading to God for mercy to to realize and recognize that today is the day. Today is the accepted day of salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Romans chapter 10. So when it comes to living our lives, though, as far as free will, The Bible knows nothing of free will. Now let's define free will just briefly. Free will is essentially defined as the ability to make a choice or to be able to make a decision with no outside influence being exerted upon the individual. For example, and this is just a a rough illustration, but if I'm driving down the road and I know that any, I come to a crossroads and I can take either the left-hand turn or the right-hand turn, or I can go straight ahead. Um, and either one of those three roads will take me into town. I can't say that by my own free will, I have made the decision on which one of those to take. For example, I may know that there are roadworks that are on the left-hand road that would actually keep me um, uh, that would keep me from walking or from driving down that road because I might get stopped or there's there's roadworks or whatever is going on. If I take the middle road, that middle road is going to keep me. Uh, maybe there's something going on down there. Maybe there's traffic. There's a parade. There's whatever. So I choose to take the right-hand road. Did I make that decision to go down the right-hand road of my own free will without any undue influence whatsoever being exerted upon me by any factors that I was aware of? And of course the answer is no. If I know that one route is quicker and I need to get there quicker, I'm going to take that road. But that is what was... That decision was influenced by what I knew was on the road. And that is the way it is when we come in salvation. The difference is that because we're not seeking after God, only when the Holy Spirit exerts his, uh, his, his wooing hand upon us and upon our, our heart and regenerates us and brings us to the point where we are willing to repent and to confess our sins before God, to place our faith in Jesus Christ alone, then and only then do we find that salvation comes to our house or comes to in, it comes and the Holy Spirit then dwells within our heart. But we can't get to that point apart from the working of the Holy Spirit. We can't make that decision and there is nothing, no good works that we can do will ever bring us to fellowship with God apart from Jesus Christ, apart from us becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. So now we've got, we find ourselves on the other side of the cross. We find ourselves now as a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. How does that work? I believe the scriptures teach us that we now have the ability to be able to determine or to be able to decide 
uh, to, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, to be able to make the decision whereby we are either going to disappoint our Heavenly Father or we are going to live in a way that is a life of holiness. Now, if we're living in a way that is not a life of holiness, if we are a true believer, the Holy Spirit is going to convict us of our sin. He is going to bring us back to repentance. He's going to restore that fellowship. And as we see in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible says, John writing here, John the beloved apostle, and he writes, If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful he is just, he forgives us our, of our sins, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now, we already know from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that when a man becomes a new creation, therefore all the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become or are becoming new. So how does this relate to Christian liberty? So, if I am as a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, does this mean that we can do whatever we want? Does this mean that a man and a woman are free to live together um, in, in, in sexual intimacy, for example, as, not, as, as, as a couple who are not married in the holy bonds of matrimony before the Lord and before a gathered presence? In other words, is it okay now as Christians, if the other person says they're a Christian, and I say that I, and, and, and if both partners say that they're a Christian, does that mean that they have the ability and the right and the freedom to be able to live in fornication or live in adultery? And the answer is no, absolutely not. Does that mean that if I am a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and I have liberty in Christ, that I can then turn around and I can uh, drink whatever I want, I can get drunk, I can watch whatever I want, I can do whatever. Now, let me give this caveat. We as, I as a believer, you as a believer, if you're a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I can both do anything that we choose to do so, but we have to recognize that there are consequences. Now, am I at liberty to be able to do those things? Well, yes, I can make the decision to follow Christ as a believer. I can read his word and I can recognize, and the Bible says that I am to cleave to my wife. I am not to drink certain things. I'm not to allow alcohol to control me. Ephesians chapter 5 makes it clear that I'm not to be controlled by anything apart from the Holy Spirit. So if there's something in my life that is not pleasing to God, there's only one of two options here. Either number one, I'm not a true believer. I'm going to enjoy that sin. I'm going to live any way I want to with no remorse, with no confession of sin, or number two, I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to have a desire to live in such a way that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to convict me through his Holy Spirit. He's going to convict me of that sin and I'm going to have to change. The question is, where does my liberty begin and somebody else's begin? For example, I believe that the scriptures uh, teach that we are to avoid strong drink. I'm talking about alcoholic consumption. Is there anything that says that a pastor or a preacher or a minister or a deacon, for example, are not allowed to drink a glass of wine? No, I don't believe that there is. There's not one verse that says that we cannot have a glass of wine. Christian liberty says if I'm if I go for example over to Germany or I go to Italy or to go to some other country where Christians over there not getting drunk but simply having a glass a small glass of wine with dinner where it's very socially acceptable it's been acceptable for centuries now they're not there there's no debauchery that is involved it's simply um, a, a, a glass, a, a refreshing glass of whatever the drink is, whatever type of wine it may be, would I have the liberty to be able to drink that? And I believe, according to the Word of God, and per my own conscience that God has given me to be able to make a decision, 
yes, I actually could drink that wine with no uh, remorse, without feeling like I'm sinning in some way against God. However, a big but here. If I were to drink that wine, though, knowing full well that it could hurt my testimony or it could cause another brother or sister to stumble and to walk away from the things of God, I then am actually sinning. I'm not sinning in the actual drinking, in the actual tasting of the wine. I'm sinning because I have caused another brother to stumble. Galatians chapter 6 reminds us, brothers, if a man is overtaken in a fault. Well, sometimes we're the ones that create the fault. Sometimes we're the ones that create the offense. So we have to live, and this really, if you don't hear anything else, this really is what this all is summed up in. And that is that we have to live in such a way that we are not creating an offense to another brother or sister. So my liberty may allow me to be able to partake of that if I choose to do so, but what if somebody sees me or what if somebody maybe who is was a drunkard in a in a in a in a previous uh, before they got saved and they see me drinking and they say, "Well, if Pastor Mark thinks that it's okay, therefore it's okay for me to drink." They turn around, start drinking again, and they fall into the old habits that they were in before. So, again, please don't misunderstand here. For the sake of testimony, for the testimony, first of all, of the Lord Jesus Christ, secondly, for the testimony of my own conscience, and thirdly, for the testimony of brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, I need to learn to live my life in such a way that I will not cause needless offense. Now, of course, Matthew chapter 18 deals with the matter of church discipline and if there is an offense that is caused between uh, two brothers and, and how all of that is to be handled. And we may look at that later on or at a, at a later point in regards to Christian liberty. But we need to understand this, that the freedom that we have is liberty to be able to do God's will, not to sin. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read starting at verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. He's speaking about the flesh. To make you obey in its passions. Do not present your members or not do not give over your members or your body or your mind or your heart uh, as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Paul says, by no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who once were slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart, to the standard of teaching to which you are committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Let's boil this down. Here's what Paul is saying. God does not take you and I, if, if you have truly come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God does not take any sinner and leave them where he finds them. In other words, you can't live your life as and claim to be a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ if your life is not changing. Now, again, this doesn't mean that you don't sin or that you don't have struggles that you deal with. But if you're living in such a way, for example, if, if, if a person who is living 
in an LGBT lifestyle, LGBTQ lifestyle, and whatever all the other initials and letters that they are, that they keep adding to this, um, you can't find yourself living in that lifestyle, and then proclaiming the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and say that God just made you that way and you're allowed to continue living that way because that's the way God made you. That is actually a violation of God's standard and of God's holiness. I can tell you this, that in in God's word, he makes it very clear, and it doesn't matter whether it's a sexual sin or whether it's drinking or whether it's whatever we set our hearts or our minds on. It could be anything. You could be worshiping fishing or boating or camping or uh, some kind of a hobby that you're worshiping that you think of more highly than you think of God. God is not going to save you and make you one of his children and allow you to continue walking that path without there being some kind of change. Now, that change may be slow. That change may take a long period of time. It may um, uh, it, it may take years to be able to overcome a particular area that you're struggling with. So how do we change that? We find and we uh, we find brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ who are willing to work with us, uh, who are able, who are willing to be able to hold us accountable to the Word of God, to be able to hold us accountable to uh, 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 what God's Word has to say in regards to whatever it may be. Second Peter chapter one, verse three is clear about this that the scriptures are good for all that pertains to life and godliness. That means that there is nothing, brothers and sisters, that you and I are going to go through that we can't handle based on the word of God. There is nothing we are going to go through in our lives that the Holy Spirit does not have the power and the ability to be able to change within our lives. If you're struggling with some kind of sexual impurity or if you're struggling with 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 uh, thought processes, if you're struggling with alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever it may be that you're struggling with in your life. If you are a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will change you. It is a guarantee. It is just like a child. A child, as they grow, they don't stay as an infant. A child continues to grow. They continue to change. They continue to get bigger. They they go from drinking just milk to, to eating soft foods and eventually they get teeth and they're able to be able to eat harder stuff and one day they can eat meat. That's the way it is with you and I as, as believers. God takes us where we're at. He doesn't accept us there because we could only be accepted in the Beloved. We could only be accepted because of Jesus Christ. That means that that God doesn't love you and keep you right where you're at. He says, because I set my love upon you, because the Lord Jesus Christ came down to this earth to be able to atone for the sins of mankind, because I have set my love upon you, I'm going to change you. That means that when you get saved, you cannot, you will not be able to remain in your sin and continue to enjoy it. You're going to change. And that's where we find this Christian liberty is making sure we, this this world is so much about please yourself, love yourself, do whatever you can. In fact, there are some even within evangelical churches who are now teaching that you can't learn to forgive others until you have forgiven yourself. That is a lie from Satan. That is not a biblical doctrine or a biblical teaching on forgiveness. You don't have the ability to be able to forgive yourself. Only God can forgive you. And when God has forgiven you, he gives you the ability to be able to forgive others who have committed an offense against you. He also gives you the ability to be able to seek forgiveness for offenses that you have caused to others. It requires a humbling of heart and mind. So, we know that we can't 
We don't have the license to be able to sin, to be able to live any particular way that we want to. And it is not, our liberty is not so that we can feed our sinful flesh. That's not what God gives us the ability to do. We can't say, oh, well, we're a Christian, we're on our way to heaven, so therefore we can live, we can do, we can say, we can act any way we want to. I can remember when we were living in England and I pastored a church there. There was, a, there was a, a, an older lady there who did not exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in any way in her life. She was miserable. She was bitter. Um, she exhibited hatred towards everybody around her, including in the church. And there were people who would say, well, that's just, and would give her name. That's just the way she is. And she's never going to change. She doesn't have to change. And I shared with them, no, you don't understand. If she is a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, her life will change. It doesn't matter what she has gone through. It doesn't matter what the struggles are that are going on in her life. Either the scripture is true where it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, or that verse is a lie. So your liberty that you have is, look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse 16. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free. Again, listen to Peter's words here. Not using your liberty or your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So what does this mean for you and I? We're going to conclude this lesson for today. What does this mean for you? Are you free to make your own decisions? The answer is yes. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you truly know him, you can either on one hand make a decision to do what is right before God, to please him, to please your heavenly father, or you can choose to follow the works of the flesh. But there will be consequences. You will be convicted by the Holy Spirit if you're a true believer. But good decisions should be made from a pure heart, exercising faith in God's word. This is the answer. If you want to know whether something is, is right or not, you shouldn't have to ask somebody or keep asking and trying to find somebody who says to you or who, who is willing to admit to you that yes, what you're doing is acceptable. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Bible really says something about that, but... How do you feel about it? Just follow your heart. Trust your heart. No. You can't trust your heart. Jeremiah is very clear. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things, and who can know it? Bad decisions not only bring consequences, but they will not thankfully result in the loss of your salvation. Where This, this whole lesson is not about losing our salvation. Now, th this lesson is, is about trying to point out to you that the assurance of salvation that we have comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that the Holy Spirit is working in our heart to change us to become more like Jesus Christ. I have said this multiple times before through the years of my ministry. The purpose of studying God's word, the purpose of seeking to understand his word, is to bring honor and glory, first of all, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is to take you and I and make us more like Jesus Christ today than we were yesterday and to become more like him tomorrow than we are today. Can you say that that's where your life is? Can you say that this is what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing for you, in you, and through you? Not using your freedom in Christ to live any way you want to, but using the freedom that you have in Christ to point others to the Savior. Here's one of the questions we have to ask ourselves. 
Is there something in my life that does not point to the Savior? Is there something that points to more of Mark or something that points to more of Jesus? Because if I am detracting the Christian walk of other brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, if I am detracting them from following the Savior, I am violating the scriptures. I am violating those those two great commandments that were given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ that we are commanded to follow, commanded to obey. It is greater than the law of Moses. And that is this. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. And the second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as you already love yourself. Can we say in every aspect of our life, on every day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every single day that we are living in such a way that we are showing that we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Not just part of it, not just on one single day, not not just on a Sunday morning between 11 and 12.15, but that we are loving him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, that means that if we are, there are things that must and will change to shape us to be more like Jesus Christ. Again, that goes back to what we said at the beginning of the lesson. That is progressive sanctification. I hope that and pray that what we have shared today will encourage your heart and that, that you will search your heart to determine that I will search my heart to determine what is there in my life that does not point to Jesus Christ. When, when, when I share these lessons, when I share the information that I've shared with you today, I'm having to preach and teach to myself first to be able to be encouraged in the word knowing that he is the one who is faithful. He is the one who forgives. He is the one to whom we confess our sins and that he then is the one who will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, I believe, is where we see true liberty in the Lord Jesus Christ. Liberty not to live as we choose, but that our choices will change so that we will live in a way that is reflecting the will of God as Jesus Christ himself prayed or shared in the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9-13. through Some know it as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, when God saves us, he changes our will. He changes our choices. He changes our want-tos so that we will then choose what he has in store for our lives. And as as the psalmist said in, in, in the Psalms, The steps of a good man, the steps of a good woman, are ordered by the Lord. My prayer is that your steps will be ordered by the Lord, that my steps will be ordered by the Lord, and we will change in every single area that we need to be changed to reflect Jesus Christ. He's coming again, and I believe he's coming soon. But we need to be ready. We need to be prepared for that day. We need to not just be watching for him, but we need to be waiting for him. And we need, thirdly, to be working for him. May it be so for his namesake. Thank you for listening today. And I pray that you've been encouraged from this little passage, from this study that we have done in Galatians. Every blessing to you. And as Woodrow Crowe used to say, from Back to the Bible broadcast in Lincoln, Nebraska. Have a good and godly day. For of what good is a good day if it is not also a godly day? Every blessings to you, my brothers and sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ.